Yeah, where's it coming from? Let's find out. Welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher, and with me is Kendra Maurer. Tonight, we're welcoming Taylor Bell. He is a fellow podcaster. He does the Green Lion podcast. He is a programmer and a web designer and a magical practitioner and an experiencer. Good evening. Hello. How's it going? It's going well. Thanks for coming. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Always well, appreciate it. Awesome. So do you want to give the news first or do you want to do that second or third? Um, You're pregnant? You know, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I guess. Yeah. Why don't we, why don't we lead with that? Okay. We'll lead with that. So everybody knows that we're doing this big, gigantic uh, research project and database building project using Albert Rosales's Humanoid Encounters Database. And, well, we have a name for it. Kendra came up with it. Taylor came up with it. And I came up I came up with part of it. And it now has a nice name instead of, uh, it's the Humanoid uh, Encounters uh, Database, which sounds really kind of lame. Instead, it is Project HERA. HERA stands for Humanoid Encounters, Research, and Analytics. And we are very, very close to having it completely functional in the back end, which is the search functions and the uh, uh, ability to search through all of the thousands and thousands of encounters and come up with it by various parameters and make maps and make graphs and oh it's so exciting we can even do uh animations so we can plot it on a map with time so you see it in time based order appear on a map it's very exciting and so the next step was to have a website so that people could come to it and use it It's not just going to live on a computer somewhere in Dayton, Ohio, in Chris's house. It is actually going to be usable. And that's where you come in. So why don't you you discuss how you uh, how you chased us down and and uh, (laughs) got the job? (laughs) Sure. Um, I I emailed you sometime back in the summer um, sharing my thoughts on the project and uh you know, long story short, I'm very excited that you guys are working on this because it's it's also been a goal of mine to kind of bring something like that into the world. And I have basically no means to do that. Um, but, you know, hearing what you guys were doing, it lined up a lot with what I wish would happen. And hearing kind of where you guys are at with the project being, you know, so um, honestly, very far along with with the brains side of it, the logic side of it. 
Um, but not really having sort of a front end, um, I figured perhaps I could kind of help. Um, I've been a web designer for, oh God, um, over a decade at this point, I think. And yeah, probably 15 years, which is entirely too long considering how old I am. But, um, you know, I, I thought it would be good to kind of tackle a project like this um, as sort of an experiment, I guess, to see what can be done with, with um, data like this. So that was when, when I was thinking about it originally, um, I, I sort of think about these things visually. I think about them in terms of a user interface, and, you know, and part of the problem is I don't think about them in terms of like the, the brains and the guts and the logistics. Um, it's part of why I would never have been able to do something like what you guys are doing. But I'm, I'm very grateful you're uh, letting me tag along and uh, develop and, and design a website for it. Excellent, because uh, we can't do that. Uh, <laughs> Chris has no, he, he said his, his web design capability is very minimal. And uh, yeah, I'm an artist, but I don't do digital art. I don't do uh, vector graphics or anything like that. So I'm great with colors, you know, but, uh, you know, making it all perfect. Yeah. It's it, just it, not going to happen. It, you know, it's, I mean, like any kind of discipline or, or um, like artistic endeavor, there's different focuses, you know, and um, I'm, I'm not a great painter. I'm not a great uh, artist in the more traditional sense. Um, would love to be someday, but it's just not kind of what I've spent my time focusing on. I'm also not a very good programmer. I'm getting there. I'm learning. But um, Chris is, you know, an incredible computer scientist. And just the stuff that he's shown us with how the program is going to work and how, how the, the learning machine and sort of the neural network functions is blowing my mind. Like every time he shows, it, you know, different stuff to us, I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it it it's pretty it's pretty shocking. Um, I talked with Albert yesterday, and he was like, "Well, how far along is it?" I'm like, "Oh, it's it's almost done." <laughs> and he was like, "Well, how many people are working on it?" I said, "One." I was like, "We have," and then we have a web designer, and he said, "And and then I I'm writing about how it's working, but I'm not. Don't look at me like I'm a programmer because I'm not." I just knew what programming was capable of. I didn't know that there was somebody in my proximity who was capable of doing that. And we just were lucky enough to know some. I thought he was a historian. I didn't know he was a computer scientist. <laughs> the first time I met him, we talked about World War II. I, I didn't know. <laughs> interesting. Well, he's very knowledgeable. Yeah. He was just yeah. telling us the other day that he basically taught himself calculus in was it like middle school? Eight, eighth like that? grade. Yeah, eighth grade. That's very impressive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I couldn't even learn it in college. <laughs> yeah. I changed my major repeatedly to avoid it. <laughs> yup. <laughs> definitely. Definitely yeah. feel you there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we want everybody to say hello. We have a new team member and uh, you'll be hearing more from him. And we'll have to add you to the website. So you'll have to send us a picture. Okay, I can so, do that. And a, and a little a little bio, and we'll put you on the personnel page. Awesome. 
So good. we have a whole half dozen people now. <laughs> it's pretty exciting. Okay, well, why don't you talk with us about a little bit about your experiences that you you've led, alluded to, and uh, we'll get started. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of different directions we could start with. I guess the one that's sort of most recent and is kind of always on my mind is UFO experiences. Um, I have been interested in UFO experiences pretty much my whole life. I basically didn't believe that they existed for a good several years uh, and sort of completely discounted them throughout high school and college. And then after college, started doing more research into them, started uh, learning about Fortean experiences and paranormal experiences and how these things kind of collide with UFO stuff and how there are alternative theories to what UFOs could be that are not just you know extraterrestrial in origin. Um, and I got very interested in it and, and I've wanted for many, many years to, um, see something. And I've always sort of felt like the type of person who's doomed to never have a paranormal experience because so much of my, um, you know, uh, young adult life was spent vehemently denying these things mm -hmm. and being a very staunch atheist and detractor of things like religion and spirituality and uh some experiences changed all of that some experiences with with spirit changed all of that um and then a couple of years ago i think it was the summer of 2019 um i want to say july pretty sure it was july i was delivering pizzas um that summer it was a pretty uh under the table kind of gig just uh delivering pizzas for cash, which is fun. Um, didn't pay much, but it was fun. And I was waiting for a pizza to come through, um, well, waiting for an order. I was just basically sitting outside smoking um, and just waiting and looking up at the sky and tracing satellites because I would see them every once in a while. This was sort of in the greater Minneapolis area. Um, so, you know, there's, there's light pollution, but it's not crazy. It's, uh, you know, whatever. And... I saw a satellite passing by or what I thought was a satellite passing by and it did something strange that I'd never seen a satellite do. And to my knowledge, satellites are incapable of doing it stopped on a dime, basically just moving straight at a constant speed and then stopped. And I, I watched it there and I watched as there was a, a white flash around it, sort of like, you know, like a flash from a camera, but very small, kind of like, it was about the size of my pinky at like arm's length, pinky um, nail at like arm's length. And all of a sudden this blue stream of light sort of came I, between it and a star. It was like a nearby star, very bright star. And this blue stream of light, almost like teardrop shape, like an upside down teardrop was kind of centered on the star and, and like pulling into this little thing that wasn't a satellite. And that, you know, happened for maybe five, maybe 10 seconds, something like that. Then there was another flash of white light, just like the first one. And I watched this thing speed off in, in like basically an arc. It turned in a different direction and uh, went. And that was about the time that my brain went, whoa, that's what? And I <laughs> pulled out my phone. I typed down the experience, you know, because having, you know, years of, I guess, priming my subconscious for these types of things, I was... Mm -hmm kind of ready to, you know, I didn't have a camera out, of course, because that just, you, you know, never do. Exactly. 
But but I, I I pulled my phone out. I typed down the date, the time, and you know just exactly what I saw. Um, yeah, and and then I went inside to the uh, to the kitchen and proudly exclaimed, "Guys, I just saw a UFO!" And everybody looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's and why you're delivering was. pizzas for cash, Mister. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was funny. But yeah, so I was like, ah, never mind. I I went back outside. The, <laughs> the the really interesting thing about this to me was um at the same time, you know, I was I was working at, at this pizza place, but I was also working at a bookstore in Minneapolis uh called Magus Books. Um it's a phenomenal bookstore. If anybody's in Minneapolis, check it out. And Magus is a place that is no stranger to eccentricities. No stranger to strange experiences, magic, the paranormal, that type of stuff. Um, everybody that works there has had their own various experiences of different kinds. Most of it, I would say, centers around things like like magic or spirituality. The next day, I think it was the next day, um, I went into work and I shared this story with a couple of my coworkers. And both of them looked at me like I was crazy. And I, I, I was confused because these are not the people I would expect to be looking at me like that. These are people who have told me crazy stories. Right. And, you know, we sort of at the very least take each other for our word because we, mm -hmm. you know, we trust each other. And one of my coworkers um, was, she had this kind of like wry smile and, and basically said, Oh, I know what you saw. That was a satellite. And I'm like, you know, do tell. And she said, well, I've seen that before too, you know, where a satellite stops mid orbit and takes pictures with flash photography. And I basically just said, they no, have, they can't do that. <laughs> they can't do that. They don't have breaks like that. Right. They, they, they take pictures as they go. <laughs> Pump right. the brakes, Scott Spock. I have things to take pictures of. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, Captain. The satellite is not equipped to stop on a dime. <laughs> Maybe one day, you never know. <laughs> but uh, to my knowledge, I don't think they take flash photography either. Yeah, you know, no. I, there's a, a flash relies on light bouncing off of something, and that yeah. distance would be just way, yeah. way, way too great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that was that first experience. I mean, I, there's a couple more, but I don't know if you want. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So that happened in in July 2019. In the, uh, it was December of 2019, December 14th, I had gone to a Christmas party um, at my dad's house, which is kind of out, out in the boonies, and uh, did that whole thing. It was fun. You know, probably 7, 7.30, I was uh, leaving to go to another party. Um, so in transit between two parties, you know, very, very liminal kind of space there. Right. Yeah. And I was driving through Chanhassen, which is a, a town or city sort of famous for being where Prince uh, lived. So right. Yeah. Prince's um, Paisley Park, which is his house, yeah. is right there, right along the road that I was driving on. I was heading basically to that that area, passing by this really big open um plot of woods called the uh, the U of M Arboretum. I think now it's just called the Arb. Right. And uh, the Arboretum is a really beautiful place. There's a lot of really cool plants. They, they dress it up with lights and stuff in the winter. And I was driving by and I saw like over the like very, very far away in the distance um, south of the road these two red lights um, kind of 
you know, not quite horizontal, a little bit staggered. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just, I noticed them right as they both descended super quickly um, towards each other at sort of like an angle creating a V shape, right? And they did it one after the other. So it was like one, two. And I saw this and I, you know, I watched that happen and I went, what was that? Like, was that one of those like cell phone towers? Was it somehow like a flare that went down? Was it like one of those balloons? And I thought a lot about it and I just never was able to come up with like a logical explanation of what that was. And this had happened around the time. I was actually right after. So on, on the way home that day, I had driven through this little town, um, on the way there, it's called St. Bonifacius, a very, very small town in Minnesota. It's one square mile and it exists completely within another town. And I was thinking as I was driving through it, you know, I, I was passing under this bridge and I was thinking about how kind of liminal this place is. You know, it's, it's this tiny little place that, you know, its borders are all entirely within other borders. There's, you know, there's there's a bridge, there's a train, there's there's a river that runs right through it. There's all these kind of like hallmarks. I found it. I didn't know at the time, but I found out later uh, when I started researching it more that it also has a. Um, there was some nuclear armaments uh, in a military base there, that were you know like stored there during the Cold War. And uh, and then there's a there's a park called Missile Park, and there's just a giant missile in the middle of the park. <laughs> um, you know, and so it's like it's a weird little town that I had driven through it must've been dozens and dozens of times before my whole life. You know, I've just driven through it back and forth, never stopped there. And I was thinking about that that day and I thought, wow, it's so weird. This little town that I've never really noticed, but it's the last stoplight on the way from the cities out into the boonies. It's like, Mm -hmm. you got that stoplight and then it's all roundabouts um, on that highway. And, and then of course, you know, I came through, um, you know, went down, took a, took highway five, passed by uh, the Arboretum, saw the, these lights and then continued on to the party that I was going to went to the party, partied, went home. As I got home, I wrote down all the stuff that happened. So I, I, at the time I was writing down everything that was happening in the days. I, I got to get back to doing that. But um, you know, I took notes on like, you know, what I, I got to target that morning, bought some stuff, went to the, you know, uh, went to the party at my dad's house, uh, Th- thought about St. Bonnie, saw a UFO, went to a different party, came home. That was like, that was my day. <laughs> and and I, f- I forgot about the UFO. Uh, the, in ah. the days ensuing, you know, after that, I kept thinking about St. Bonnie and I kept, I kept doing research in it. I was, I was looking stuff up about it. I was trying to understand its history. I was trying to understand like why, you know, because it, it had a very like growing population until basically a factory burned down and then the population totally stagnated. Sure. And, yeah, and it, it's a very strange kind of place when you really start to look into it. Uh, and then later on, I think it was a couple of weeks after that, I went back there with a friend, and it was on, it was on January first, actually. And uh, you know, the, the bar was open. There's a bar called Grumpy's. Um, it was open. Nobody was there except the bartender. So uh, we popped in. You know, probably one o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, got a couple beers. And uh, we're just talking and we started talking to the bartender about stories. Basically, I said, you know, I, I, I didn't try to, you know, uh, lead in any way. I just said, we're uh, we're curious if you know any like local stories. And uh, he's not from there, of course. Right. He's he's from out of town. But he said, yeah, you know, I used to live here in this like house that was a few doors down. And I would see this little girl in the house like a ghost. And I was like, really? You know, like, 
go on. And he started telling us ghost stories. There's like an old man, you know, ghost that would like walk across the street and disappear behind a gate and, and all this stuff that was like totally out of the blue. And we, we weren't asking for ghost stories, but it felt like, of course, you know, of course it would be something like that and not like, you know, uh, historical stories. Right. Right. Uh, it's, it's just that kind of place. Uh, but anyway, I, I was looking back over my journal later to try to um, find out some more information about St. Bonnie. And I noticed uh, that I had written down this UFO experience and I, I had drawn a little uh, detailed diagram of like the two dots and like drew arrows going down and marked like one and two and um, all this stuff. But, but uh, you had forgotten it. Mm -hmm. Yep, That and, happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fascinating that, okay to my knowledge doesn't happen to me very often you know but like who knows what i've forgotten that i just haven't remembered yeah yeah um one other interesting thing about saint bonnie that uh i think was kind of the uh nail in the coffin for me thinking okay there's definitely something going on here or it's all total coincidence um so the town's called saint bonifacius but everybody just calls it saint bonnie nobody calls it saint bonifacius uh, S-T-B-O-N-I equates to the number 93 in the uh, New Aeon English Kabbalah, which is the same as Hellier and, uh, you know, a variety of other things that kind of equal out to that sort of mysterious number. Um, so when I, when I found that out, I was, uh, I was pretty floored. That's pretty interesting. Um, the, the, the thing about forgetting things that happen to you I haven't had it happen often. Um, Morgana had it happen with one of the most dramatic UFO experiences she had, where she and her housemate and best friend saw a series of gold sphere, spherical UFOs in a evening, not nighttime sky, kind of like twilight, just go in a row and then just like there was a portal in the sky that opened up and, and they just disappeared gradually into it. So it looked like it, it looked like they were going behind a wall. So imagine a floating basketball going behind a wall and how, you know, Oh, it looks like a half moon now. Oh, now it's completely gone. Yep. As if there was something that had opened up and it went into it or it just went behind a field of energy and disappeared cloaking device. I don't know, mm -hmm. but that was really, really dramatic. And they were both like, Oh my God, that, we saw UFOs. Oh, and then they go in the house and their other housemate was like, Hey, you're going to order pizza. And they're like, Oh yeah, they didn't. It, it like, it slipped their mind yeah. immediately. So they ordered the pizza and they, they, you know, looked for the cash to, to pay the pizza. And, and then the pizza guy got mm -hmm. there and they were in the middle of eating pizza before they told the, the roommate, wait, we saw these UFOs. And they were all excited about it. And they told him about it. And he was like, whoa, that's why didn't you tell me when you came in? And <laughs> I, I could have maybe gone out and I don't know. And they were like, I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. And, and then, you know, they didn't tell me until like three or four days passed. And then they finally remembered to tell me. And then after they told me they remembered it, 
like it was permanently in their head. But they would remember, we got to tell your mom. We got to tell mom. You got to tell her. And then, oh, then something would happen. And they would forget. You know, what, what that makes me think of, the fact that, and I've heard this a number of times and obviously kind of experienced this with, with this UFO, the fact that after remembering it, maybe once or twice or however many times, it sort of sticks. It, it makes me wonder, you know, I've heard that our memories, each time we remember something, we're essentially forming a new memory that's mm-hmm. based on what we remembered. Um, I wonder if that's sort of what it is, is that the actual experience itself is some, somehow like too close to the thing to be rememberable. But what we're remembering is our memory of the thing. Mm-hmm. And then that sort of, it like abstracts it or, or like pulls it away one layer further. Um, you know, I, and I don't, I don't think that necessarily has to uh, compromise like the integrity of the story. I think we can still remember things with, with decent clarity. I know there's obviously memory is not perfect, but you know. But that is, that is a, a decent uh, explanation, I guess, for, for what could be going on. Yeah, who knows why, you know, those experiences would would do that other than I guess the only thing I can think is um, they are sort of removed from our mundane expectations of like normal life. And so when we experience something that's so far outside of, you know, the the regular stuff, it just it just doesn't stick until we remember that we experienced something like that and having the memory or sharing the story maybe, or something like that is what sticks because it's, it's closer to real life, but I I don't know. I really am. I'm not sure. Well, and I wonder, I said this with uh, another guest. Um, I wonder if is, is bear with me for a moment. So operating on the understanding that we're all beings of energy. I wonder if, Oh, this goes deep. Um, if cloaking isn't a physical thing that happens to the ship, but cloaking is a pulse put out by the ship that alters our ability to perceive or to remember what happened. So that's just kind of inherent in the technology. So it interrupts whatever it is that causes us to form that memory. And then later, once we're clear of that influence, it's like, oh, yeah, we saw a thing. So that's also not a bad explanation. Well, Kendra, you know, the, the, the party crashers episode where we told Mm -hmm. the story of our graduation party with the extra guests that we stupidly apparently didn't invite. (laughs) um, And maybe we should have. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had forgotten the shambling thing. Oh yeah. That that was like the main, the main thing that I remember. That was what? the thing that you remembered with yeah. great clarity. Yeah. And you were like, remember we ran to the car holding each other's hand? And I was like, oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. oh my God. Thing. It was the, the big, yep. the big, the big thing. Yeah. That I still can't quite describe. No, I, I don't remember this. I've listened to that episode. It's actually one of my favorite episodes. Oh, thank you. If you scribble on a piece of paper with a pencil, like a little kid, just scribble in a figure. That's what it looked like. It looked like a scribble in the, in the shape of a, a biped. Okay. A big bipedal scribble. Yeah. What, 
what kind of color was it or what sort of what did it look like it was made of or shadow okay yeah so, it um, was a big shadowy thing yeah. in the fog but it's like the scribbles are like pointed lines not swirly scribbles okay did it seem like it was like like um i want to use the word static but i don't mean like i don't mean like television static but like not moving or you know in terms of the scribbles were were like here it is it's this and then that whole that whole form is moving or was it like uh, the four yeah you're asking if the scribbles themselves are moving yeah, yeah. But, okay yeah no i i did not perceive that okay uh the reason i'm asking is i i uh had um somebody on my podcast um not too long ago um i think i think it was michael parish i'm pretty sure who had sort of a similar experience with a flying thing that was like something in the sky that looked like that. It looked like a bunch of black scribbles. Like that's how he described it. Huh. So I thought, yeah, that, that's a, uh, that is interesting. Who knows? Very, very strange. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's the, gas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that's always somebody told us it was swamp gas and we disagreed. Really? <laughs> <laughs> That's it was amazing. a hallucination brought on by by swamp methane. Gas. I'm like, no, it wasn't. But that's that's not even what the swamp gas explanation is. <laughs> I know, right? Oh my god! I like, don't give me that JL JL and Hynek stuff. <laughs> I I know exactly. He regretted that his whole life, and that poor man to this day, he's dead and buried, and people still rag yeah. on him about that swamp gas. Feel bad for him. Oh man. Um, but no, it, it was not swamp gas. And I do think that that big shambling thing is probably what our friend um, Thorin saw that he yeah. grabbed um, uh, Laura and I and was like, oh, okay, it's time to go to the house. We're not going to go. We're not going to, we're not going to pass go collect $200. We're going to leave now. Time yeah. to go. Those little bright lights, those are a decoy. And this, there's something out there and it's big and I don't like there's it and it's time bigger. to go. Yeah. What and, do you think? Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, what do you think would happen or what do you think would have happened if, if you had stuck around or had somehow tried to interact with this, this thing? We were not in a state of mind to test that theory. We were in the GTFO state of mind. <laughs> yeah. I, I respect that. I, you know, as, as, as scary as some of the stuff that I've experienced has been, um, shambling thing was really bad, bad enough that my memory of it went away, you know, kind of poof. But it wasn't directed. I didn't feel like it was coming at us. It was just, no. it was just existing in the same space as we were. It was just the size of the thing. And, yeah. and it, it just was, and it was it was at the end of all of the crazy stuff that happened. Yeah, that was the other thing. Is that by that point, I think our brains were just overloaded and we're done we're with done. life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was really really exceptionally wild. Um, and uh, I just I think that was it. But anyway. As scary as the screaming, howling, nasty thing out in the woods in Pataskala was, 
you know, I almost did walk out into the woods uh, and that was probably, it probably would have been stupid for me to do that. But the truth is, is I've never been physically harmed by any of the really scary stuff or any of the really friendly stuff. So either I've been really lucky or in general, I have proceeded cautiously enough to not be harmed by it. I don't know. Um, there are just, there are times though that, you know, sometimes I'll want to push it. And then I looked down at my dog who was like, no, whatever's out in those woods, howling and shaking trees and stuff. You really need to stay here with me, mom. This is, that was, that's no, that's terrible. Um, so I, I get a second thought and go, well, you know, maybe, maybe I should go in the house. And then it just, the noise just kept going on and on. And it, it's really started to fray on my nerves and, and yeah. Zach's too. Well, I mean, his nerves were frayed as soon as he realized that there was something out in the yeah. woods, yeah, shaking trees and things. He was just, he would not come off of the deck. He was like, yeah. nope, <laughs> that dog can stay out there as far as I'm concerned. I'm like, no, <laughs> she can't. That's terrible. You know, I'll go get her. So, but yeah, he, to this day, he still gets kind of weirded out by that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I, I kind of get caught up in the mechanics of things um, when we're talking about this sort of stuff or anything paranormal or whatever. I, I want to understand sort of the how. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I also want to understand the why, but I think that's a very different kind of question. But um, I, you know, I wonder about stuff like that when you have those feelings, that's like, a, that's a gut feeling and you, and you trust your gut. And I think that's smart. Right. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but what, you know, what I don't know and what I would love to sort of find out is what would happen if you went against that feeling mm -hmm. and, you know, my, my gut says probably it wouldn't be very good. Probably, you know, I mean, you know, I, I don't know, but I know, I know that there's a lot of people out there who have gone missing yeah. and yeah. I know there's a lot of strange circumstances surrounding some of those, um, situations, but I don't know. Like, you know, it seems like it's so different depending on the circumstances. And sometimes I feel like it's probably good. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. It'd be interesting it, to find out, but it also probably wouldn't be worth, uh, disappearing over. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, Morgana always says that if an elder God like appeared and, you know, in the yard, I'd be the one to walk toward it, trying to figure out what was, why it was there and what was happening. <laughs> Whereas, you know, she and Zach and Kendra would be like, Nope. <laughs> oh, I'd be there with you. Go on. Can I touch it? <laughs> yeah. So it depends. Put it with Something. It depends. Sometimes you're like that. And then other times you're like, nah, girl, it's time to go. <laughs> Sometimes you're right there. And then other times. It, it... So, yeah. yeah. Well, I think in those cases, trusting your gut is really the only thing you can do, you know, and um, there uh, I had Soraya on my podcast for one of my first episodes and one of the things he was talking about in relation to this was like, you know, what he basically was like, I'm hearing a noise. Mm 
And I'm going to tell the story very poorly, but essentially he was hearing a noise outside and he thought he needed to move or like leave. But he's, he decided, well, hang on a second. Why don't I just hang out and see what this is? And like a tree fell down, like really close to him. And he's like, ah, maybe, maybe I should listen to that gun instinct. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I like that. Well, Soraya is one of the one of the people, you know, you were talking about you you wrote down the two red lights and and then forgot about it and then looked back and saw it. He he was talking with Morgana and I on the on the episode we had him on and you know, he said there were things that he would have forgotten if he hadn't made it a practice to write everything down and and keep you know, keep it as detailed as possible. He said, I might remember a thing that happened, but I wouldn't remember all of the details if I hadn't written it down. So I think it's a really good practice. And I've been pretty careful about that ever since. Um, I mean, I was really careful about it when we lived in Athens in the first time in the nineties, when, you know, the graduation party happened and all that other stuff happened. I, I wrote all that down. Um, but, um, uh, I stopped writing stuff down for a while. And since 2019, I've been writing down at least the, the stuff that's odd that happens so okay. that I, I keep it. Um, but oddly I do tend to remember, you know, weird things that happen anyway. So except Mr. Shambling scribble guy. And anything else you've forgotten. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. I, uh, I, nowadays I write down everything that is odd that happens. Um, even if it's something that's probably mundane, but just strikes me as kind of odd. Uh, and I date it and put a time and, and everything like that. Um, but I used to be really good at writing down everything. Like, um, Oh, I have a journal somewhere over there. That's basically every day. What happened in those days from like February of this year until whenever I filled the journal. Um, you know, and the problem is I filled the journal and I had no more journal to write in. And so I, I switched over to a digital thing and that just fell apart because, yeah. you know, I still write my dreams down digitally, but it's, I don't know. It's hard to just like sit down at the end of the day and like type out everything that's, you know, happened. I'd much rather do it. It's you know, a habit issue that you have to build the habit of doing it that way. If that's the way you're going to do it, but you already have the habit of doing it the other way. Yeah. So yeah. I just got to get another journal, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, you know, so I did have a third UFO experience. Oh, excellent. Um, this one's a little more dramatic, I think, at least to me, it was a lot closer and it wasn't a light. Um, I don't know what to make of this. And I am never really sure how to tell this because of the way that this thing looked. Um, but essentially, I was uh, driving on uh, one of the freeways on 494 coming up. Um, it, it goes west and then it sort of, you know, curves north. And right as it curves north, it there's a cloverleaf. So you can like take that and keep going west on a different highway. And so I, I you know, taking the cloverleaf. And as I was coming down over the bridge to the west of the bridge of, the, of, of 494, I could see this object. And I'll, I'll try to describe it in a second. I continued driving. The object sort of, you know, disappeared behind the bridge as I moved under the bridge. As I 
exited from the other side of the bridge, I could still see it. It was still, it was still floating there in, in the air. It was very large. Uh, I, I couldn't try to put a scale to it, but it was very large. Um, it was sort of in, uh, it was in between a bunch of stuff, like, like buildings. There's like a pond right there. There's a lot of trees. It wasn't in an area where it would have necessarily been something like a balloon. There was no like parking lot underneath it or anything like that. I mean, it, I guess maybe it could have been a balloon, but it looked like a solid object. It looked like, um, a probably metal object. Um, it was different shades of gray or, or silver, but it seemed less metallic and more, more matte sort of looking, mm -hmm. uh, but everything from very light gray to very dark gray. And I guess the only way I can really describe what it looked like was as being sort of like, if you look at like a fighter jet, you know, you have all these different angles and there's all mm -hmm. of this different stuff going on mm -hmm. and there's different layers and different panels and, and there's, you know, whatever the wings have different angles and stuff on them. It, it almost looked like that, except, you know, if it was like a fighter jet, for instance, it would have been completely 90 degrees. Um, so, you know, basically with its wings, totally vertical and mm -hmm. then its wings folded in at 90 degrees so that it's, you know, it was basically just like a big crumpled mess and it was asymmetrical and it was like all these different angles and shapes and colors or, or not colors, but like shades of gray. Um, and it was just hovering there and I'm looking at it I'm driving I'm going, you know, as I'm speeding up onto this road, 40 miles an hour, 50 miles an hour, I'm looking and I'm looking back at the road and I'm looking back at it and I'm looking back at the road and I look back at it, maybe I think the fourth time and it was gone. It was just totally gone. Hmm. Well, that's that's not a, a weather balloon. They don't disappear that fast. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, no idea. No idea what it was. I figured basically the way that I phrased it, and it confused uh, uh, the first few people I told about this, but if it was a plane, it was crashing. It was absolutely in the process of crashing into the freeway. And there was no plane. There was no plane crash. There was no jet. It was whatever it was, it should not have been there, but I mm -hmm. saw it and I saw it like consistently, like before the bridge and after the bridge. And I, it was, it was there. And then I like two seconds, I looked forward, I looked back and it was totally gone. That reminds me of guys sighting a lot, <laughs> even though his was very definitely a triangular shape and there were lights involved. It's just such a similar, he saw it before a bridge and then, after he changed direction and under a bridge and out, it just, it's very similar. That's it, interesting. Uh, it was, it was very, very strange. Oh, and then one of my favorite parts about this, this story was um, what happened later. So I immediately, I, I have an Apple watch and I, I basically, you know, said, send a text to my friend who I was going to meet with. I was on the way to um, uh, do some working out with him. We're just going on a walk and stuff. And I texted him. I said, I just saw something strange. Remind me to tell you about it later. And so I get there, you know, and, and uh, you know, whatever. We're chilling, drinking some water, getting ready to go. And we leave to go on the walk. And we, you know, I just kind of start telling him about this whole experience. And I relate it pretty much how I relate it to you guys. And um, at the end of it, by the time we're getting to the end of the story, we're in this neighborhood, basically in this like um, suburban area. And there's all these like, you know, woods and there's a little pond and there's um, a bunch of houses. And he said, well, about how big was it? 
and like how far away and you know like what did it, like you know what was the size of this thing and right as he said that this helicopter flew into the suburban area very low like way too low it was huge you know like using the whole you know hand at arm's length scale it would have been probably the size of a small apple mm. you know it was very it was very large but he was low yeah it was, it was yeah. and it like came in like like you know like almost crashing basically like well you know obviously it wasn't crashing but um veering veering left and right and then sort of like picking up and uh and then he sort of like flew off i don't know i don't know what he was doing or whatever but <laughs> i looked at it and i went about that big because <laughs> it, <was, laughs> it was like almost perfect for scale and distance i was like you know and i just said it very casually and uh and my friend looked at it and was like what like what <laughs> where did that just come from <laughs> well that's in well how close to where you saw it was that helicopter oh it's, it's pretty far away miles, um, yeah, miles, yeah, miles. miles okay that's weird though that's still weird yeah that it, was, it should uh, appear right when you're like needing a thing to yeah that's weird let alone you know a helicopter but one that's roughly the same size and distance from yeah exactly right, right as i need a reference like that. yeah that's that's <laughs> really one of those things it. that you go uh uh yeah I, I didn't i didn't think about how strange that was until like weeks later i was like retelling the story and i remembered that that happened like right then and i, I was talking about it and i'm like that was really weird like that that just happened right then and you know and, and right there but I mean, it happens, you know, it, it mm -hmm. could very well be coincidence that, that that type of thing happened. I still have no explanation for what this UFO thing was, whatever this object was. Yeah, it, it, the really weird ones like that, that, you know, have this, you know, it definitely has a discernible shape. It's not just a light, but it looks like it's solid, but it it's not round. It's not triangular it's not saucer shaped it's not cigar shaped you know there are no crumpled aluminum borg cube shapes to you know describe because to what it sounded like to me was somebody took a borg cube and squished it into all these little folded origami shapes and then went look at this and then you know dragged it off and made it disappear so that your brain would go uh, 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 you know what what is that word would you say a board cube or a board Borg, Borg Borg cube from uh Star Trek the Next Star Generation Trek. okay I'm not familiar with that uh, yeah. um I'm, I'm googling it right now okay oh yep yep okay yes yeah. <laughs> so with all those different angles and stuff like that yeah. yes that is almost and you know that's oh god so that's really interesting um when I was a kid I don't know how old I was. I, I was a kid. Um, I had this dream where, um, <laughs> you know, because uh, that, that sort of reminds me of like the unfinished um, Death Star, right? It's sort right. of like the whatever. yeah. Um, I had this dream where, uh, like, all of a sudden these UFOs started just like showing up everywhere in the sky, like blotting out the sky, and they were all these like it was like that. It was like it was like the hodgepodge metal shapes. But they weren't cubes. They were they were a bunch of just like random right. stuff, and they just started filling out the sky and and blotting out everything. And then uh, I was like looking up, at, you know, I'm like looking around and seeing this happen. And then I like heard a noise and I looked back down at the ground and there's this 
this essentially, you know, essentially an alien, right? It's a, it's a humanoid with like a laser gun. It shoots me and I wake up. Oh God, what was that? <laughs> but uh, that, that just reminded me of that dream. Um, oh, it's pretty cool. Very strange shape. Yeah. And not yeah. symmetrical. Yeah. That's most UFOs are symmetrically shaped. Not always. There, there are some that are really, really strange, but you know, you get your egg shapes, you get your, triangles you get even squares um spheres half mm -hmm. spheres now flat plate shapes with spheres on top fried egg shapes you know all of that but usually you don't get something that looks folded and angular and you know that you just can't pinpoint a description for yeah it was it was very strange and the fact that it was there, it was there, it was there, it was there, and then it was gone is really what gets me. Because, like, I wasn't, in, you know, it's not like I looked back at the road for a quarter mile. I was, it was <laughs> yeah. seconds, and then it was yeah. just gone completely. Wow. But I don't know. I mean, you know, it's it's so weird. The, when I first saw it over the um, over the highway, like, I, I, I saw it, and my brain registered, like, there's something there, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, what is that? Like, is that a plane? You know, and, and I, you know, see it and I have the whole experience. And then later when I was uh, driving on the same road again, like taking the same uh, cloverleaf for like the next week, every time I got it, I, I took that way almost every day. I was just looking, like trying to see, was there anything I could have mistaken for this thing? And there's just absolutely nothing there. Yeah. Yeah. So, That's Yeah. You know, but people, when I've told the story to people, they, like have asked, well, you know, obviously, I guess everyone's first question is, well, you know, do you think it was aliens? And my response is, I have no idea. I right. have absolutely no clue what it could have been. Yeah. Clearly, it probably wasn't. I mean, if it was hovering, if it was made of metal, then I don't know what to tell you. Unless there was an electromagnet. And it was, you know, a superconductor. And we don't have that kind of technology for something that big yet. So, it, no. <laughs> it's not yeah. that. It struck me as the type of thing where, like, if it were some kind of advanced technology, why would anyone design it this, like, this way? Like, the way that it looked was just so hodgepodge. And, like, <laughs> like it looked like floating metal garbage. You know what I mean? And it's like, <laughs> why, why would anybody do that? That's kind of how I feel about the Borg cubes, which is why yeah. I brought that up is because they are basically a mixture of technologies kind of fused onto each other because the their race assimilates other races and and they're part cyborg and part, you know, biological. So they just kind of take the technology of that race and, you know, take what they like out of it and just append it on to what they've got. So it. it that's why I was like, oh, so maybe, you know, that's, that's yeah. weird. And it's, it's a perfect uh, analogy. I appreciate it. I've never, you know, I mean, I've seen some Star Trek when I was a kid, but I've never really sat down and watched it. Um, but yeah, thank you for, for <laughs> letting me uh, know about that so I can use it as a reference in the future. Yeah. You're going to need to catch up on the series so that you follow the conversations. Yeah. <laughs> Your new assignment is to watch all of TNG. Just TNG? <laughs> yeah. Well, all of them, but specifically TNG. 
Yeah. I probably yeah, should Star Trek point. the original because I'm old enough to actually remember that, and and also uh, Babylon Five. You got to re- watch all that. So I've also heard that's good. Yeah, it's that really good. Fun. Yeah, I've never. There, and I I apologize. There is a lot that I have not seen. Um, just in general, lot lots and lots of different you know TV shows or movies that I've just never watched. But but every once in a while I get around to seeing one and I'm like, wow, that was really good. You know, like, oh, man, Jurassic Park really is a good movie, you know, at, at the age of 22. <laughs> uh, see, I was I was a movie nerd, so I I, I know I'm up on movies and a science nice. fiction nerd, too. So um, I, I worked at a movie theater for a little while and I got kind of burnt out on them, but it was all like new releases. Yeah. And, you know, I got to see him for free, but then I was just watching movies all the time. I was like, uh, kind of over this, but, but they're so good. Like, you know, you get good ones and, you know, especially some of the old classics. Like I, I think I saw Citizen Kane when I was 23 or 24. That was a good one too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, who knows? Um, so, so other than, <laughs> yeah. Oh, so other, other than UFO stuff, um, because those are the only like UFO experiences I've had. Um, I've had a couple different experiences that were in the camp of like weird and abstract. Um, two in particular that come to mind. Uh, one was when I was really little, uh, and I have no idea of what this was or whether it was a dream or my imagination. But for a long time, uh, especially before I was really ever interested in the paranormal. Um, you know, back, back in high school and college, anytime I would like think about, you know, strange things or unknown things or whatever, this image would come back into my head and it's like, it's like a little person. Like, so I was in my basement at the the house I grew up in and the basement stairs kind of come down, uh, to a little, you know, platform landing essentially, uh, where there's like a door into the laundry room and then the other side kind of spits out into the basement living room and i'm standing in the living room looking at this area like right at the bottom of the stairs and there's like this little guy like this little person that was probably a few feet tall maybe and like sort of stout sort of like um uh well, yeah, like stout. So like kind of, kind of more wide around, um, like short stubby limbs and definitely humanoid had like two arms, two legs. And, um, it almost looked like it was made of like pineapples. Like it was like the whole thing was sort of constructed out of, um, out of like pineapples and coconuts, like, you know, and, and, and in my, in my memory of it, I always want to put like a, like a, grass hula skirt on it and uh and like a tropical shirt or something like that but but i you know i just i remember seeing this thing and it had like this this big smile uh on its mouth and like um like eyes that were sort of like like triangular shaped super cartoony very very like you know something somebody would draw as a cartoon or something like that and that it was just sort of dancing and you know just kind of right there uh, in this area. And I remember, I remember thinking a lot about it as I grew up because I am pretty sure I was with my friend at the time, uh, my, my next door neighbor, who's, um, been a good friend of mine my whole life. 
And I asked him about it in college. We were roommates in, in college for a little while and he had absolutely no memory of it. So I, I think, I don't know, maybe, maybe it was something I made up, you know, maybe not, but that, uh, that was strange. The other thing also in that, in that, uh, basement right by that area, I had sleep paralysis. Um, this was probably several years later. So the, so the pineapple dude was, I must've been maybe three, maybe four, right. um, years later when I was probably eight or nine, uh, I'm, I'm laying down on the couch in the basement and I get sleep paralysis. I only ever got sleep paralysis on that couch. Hmm. Um, and I, I am looking over at the basement stairs at this railing, you know, as a railing on the side of the wall. And I see what looks like a washcloth, um, like, like flipping end over end, like a slinky down the staircase. Oh boy. And, and then it just like flips off the end and hits the ground. And then I woke up and I like looked over and I was like, okay, there's, there's no washcloth there, but <laughs> maybe, That's you know, wild. I mean, <laughs> yeah you know people talk when i learned about sleep paralysis i was like oh yeah i've had that before and people are like you know old hag and shadow people and aliens and i'm like washcloth <laughs> anybody else see a washcloth <laughs> a washcloth walking uh, down the stairs it was it was so bizarre um i like the pineapple also... guy though <laughs> well yeah what's your thought on that what do you think that could have been is you know, hallucination, imagination, fairy, I, like, you know, kids will see if, if you're young enough, you don't have a really strong sense of what you should and shouldn't see. Like, and, and if you watch TV before the age of like two or three, you can't tell the difference between what you see on the screen and reality. It's just as real what you experience on the screen. Now they didn't know this until like, you know, 2007, 2008, something like that. Um, but it can, it can kind of cause you to have memories of things that happen that maybe you saw on television. And I know I have a couple of those, and, but I don't have a pineapple guy. I wonder if there was a cartoon with a thing like that. And then it sort of popped into your memory as something that you saw elsewhere, or because you had seen it on television, something was in the basement with you and your brain or it clothed it in that shape. Kind yeah. of the the Greg Bishop co-creation kind of thing. You know, I, I like to think of our brains as wardrobes and there are costumes in those brains, those wardrobe, those brain wardrobes, and that the other sometimes just reaches into the wardrobe and pulls out a, an outfit and puts it on. And it's whatever shape is acceptable to us yeah. or that they think is is a is a good one. You know, for whatever reason, Kendra and I had scribbles in our in our brain <laughs> in our in our wardrobe. Um, but maybe you had little pineapple guy in your brain wardrobe. Yeah, and, and they I, they pulled him out. He doesn't sound scary. He just sounds strange. Super uh, super nice. Very happy. 
and uh, I, yeah, it was a pleasant experience, um, you know, in, in my memory, right? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think it absolutely could have been something that I had seen on TV or something. At that age, you know, I certainly was watching TV and, and using computers. Um, so it's it's very possible that it could have been something like that or or something almost like, uh, well, well, so when I, I was, I must've been a little older at that point. Um, I was over at my grandma's house and I remember having this experience where basically I, you know, with like, this is, I, I would put this as like a very, a true moment of active imagination where I was in the basement and I remember sort of having the impression of seeing these creatures outside that were kind of like stalking towards the house. And they were very clearly like this particular type of creature from uh, like a movie that I'd seen. I, th I think it was a Scooby-Doo movie or something like that. Um, big sort of like stocky green plant like things that have like their bodies sort of taper up like that mm -hmm. and like big claws and stuff like that. And, and, uh, and I remember at the time and every time I think about this memory, I, I know a hundred percent that I did not see anything. Right. And I, I, I had this very distinct impression that I was uh, making it up. Right. But in the moment I reacted as if it was real and I got very scared. And then I, I like went upstairs and was like, you know, telling my grandma about this, like, oh my God, it's the end of the world. And, and, uh, you know, <laughs> my, my grandma's always made funny, fun of me about the monster things, uh, because when I was, uh, really little, uh, one morning, the coffee maker was going off lighter, you know, they were making coffee and it was making these atrocious noises. Oh yeah. Know, they, just... they, they could make nasty, horrible. Yeah. Choking, <laughs> yeah, growling, gurgling. And... gurgling yeah. <laughs> Yep. And so I, you know, I would freak out and, and, and uh, run into their room and be like, there's a monster, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, when I was like really little and stuff. So she's always made fun of me for that kind of stuff and joked that the, uh, the basement's full of aliens and stuff like that too, uh, which is a very weird thing to, to joke about. But, uh, but that was a, a moment that, you know, it's like very distinctly made up in my head. Whereas it, you know, and it, it may just be an age thing where this, this pineapple guy, I I'm pretty sure I was a lot younger. Mm -hmm. And so it could be that I wasn't sort of telling the difference between um, that sort of imaginal or, or imaginary uh, experience and, you know, something uh, tangible or, or somehow more quote unquote real. Something but, th that's outside you rather than something that came from inside you as an yeah. imaginary thing. As a magical practitioner, you know perfectly well that if you concentrate inward and create a vision or a visual of something and you visualize it and you do this over and over and over, that you can essentially create it so that you can see it in the actual world outside of yourself. It's possible that kids do that fairly easily. I... I don't think every kid does it, but I think that a lot of kids can do that. You know, there's enough enough stories of, of kids seeing cartoon characters wandering around that, yep. you know, I don't think they're crazy. I just think that they're kids and they can essentially, they haven't been told that they can't create imaginary things yet. Mm -hmm. So they do. 
and that's pretty cool. And then yes. evil spirits take over the little imaginary bugs bunnies and make them do terrible things. And then, then it's scary. It certainly can be, you know, I, some of the stories I've heard like that. Um, there's one that always pops in my head and I don't remember where this came from, but some, some kind of cartoon character or something underneath like a, a trailer, uh, a trailer home. Yeah. Something like that. We, yeah. We yeah. both heard the same one. I think it's on, on strange familiars, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think so too. I did not like that one. I did it, not, did not know that was, that's right up with uh, Pennywise. We all float down here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if, if there's a clown in the drain, you don't talk to that. <laughs> yep. Come on, yep. kid. Every parent needs to tell their kid, no, don't talk to the clown in the drain. That's bad. What's wrong no with the people sewer in that clowns. Sewer <laughs> clowns are right out. Storm sewer clowns are evil. Regular um, clowns, maybe. No. You know? No. Ask we, first. We ex- there is no regular clown. <laughs> There's no regular clown. There's no regular clown. <laughs> I, gr- oh I grew up gosh. with poltergeist. I don't like clowns. <laughs> exactly. And I don't like the underneath the beds either. No. I never really had a problem with clowns because when I was growing up, my uh, my family would participate in these like local um, events, like Rock and Rogers Days is what it was called, and uh, you know like summer festival or whatever. And my mom would always go as the the blue lady, and so she or no, it was the pocket lady. So so she would be like totally blue and like dressed in clown makeup and covered in like blue clothes with this big um, like overall sort of thing with pockets everywhere. And like candy and different stuff in the pockets, but she was had a very like clown look. Um, so I don't know. I guess I was I, desensitized. I was fine with clowns till I was thirteen, and I went to see Poltergeist. Then I was not fine with clowns. That is a pretty spooky uh, clown encounter. That was a very unfortunate. Turn well, of events. Apparently, the kid who played that part was even scared of. Oh yeah. The being dragged under the bed by the puppet clown thing nope i don't like puppets either i Uh, puppets kind of weird me out too i cannot stand puppets people come at me with hand puppets i'm like i'm not talking to your hand leave me alone (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm mm, life-sized puppets i'm not real into i can't do it i don't blame you they're they're pretty freaky especially uh like muppets like I've, i've never never been a fan of because they got like legs and arms and oh yeah (laughs) Yeah. uh but anyway um (laughs) some other stuff that that has kind of happened over uh over the years um a little more quote-unquote normal i guess i had an experience where i think i saw somebody disappear oh cool um so I, i shared this on strange familiars at some point in the past um, but long story short, I was out with a friend of mine we were walking back to campus. Um, and we, we we're crossing the road from a neighborhood. It's like, there's like one road that separates like houses and then campus on the other side of the road. And so we're crossing over into the campus side, um, which is heading South across this East and West road. And to our right, uh, there's this this guy who's walking towards us. He's walking east, essentially, um, on the sidewalk of the side of the road that we're crossing onto. Mm-hmm. And 
we both see him. We kind of comment like, oh, there's somebody out here. It's, you know, it's like 11 at night. So it wasn't like crazy late, but it was also sort of a, a place where like there wasn't a lot of people out past 10. Um, and, uh, you know, we sort of made a comment about it and then crossed the road. And I remember um, hearing him whistle this this guy that was walking towards us. He he was like a sort of, you know, a thinner, probably college aged uh, man uh, wearing like a like a pea coat or some kind of a trench trench coat or something like that um and he was whistling this tune that was like uh it was it, he whistled it two times and it, it was uh i hope this will even pick up on my mic but so he just mm. did that twice and that was it no you know no other noises no singing no talking uh we cross the road we get onto the sidewalk i look back and he's gone and uh, and i we like stop and my friend dan looks around and and like we're just looking everywhere and we're like there was a guy like right there 20 feet away from us you know where where could he have gone the the closest building was like 100 feet away and of course it's the haunted building on campus well <laughs> and uh and across you know other than that there's across the road there's several houses but it, you know it was a fairly large road and it wasn't, you know, similar to this, this last UFO experience I shared. It wasn't like, it wasn't like we had, you know, looked away for a while and then looked back and he was right. gone, you know, you just he turned and it was just gone, just completely gone. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. That was pretty weird. But uh, another experience there that I, I forgot of until years later, um, living where I'm living now. I had another sort of similar experience where I was driving in my car. There was a guy on the side of the road um, and he was like, he looked like he was like yelling at somebody, you know, but he wasn't like facing anybody, but he didn't have any headphones in. So he wasn't, uh, he didn't look like he was on the phone or anything. He had uh, these really like dark black sunglasses and, uh, uh, and just like, like a, a black t-shirt, like a band t-shirt, you know, um, some like metal band or whatever. And, and he's like kind of just yelling like a crazy person in the air. And I, I like, I'm looking at him and then he, he turns and looks at me and he makes eye contact with me. Uh, and then, see, that's your mistake right there. Don't make eye contact or crazy because now it's your responsibility. Well, so, so he makes <laughs> eye contact with me and then I look forward because the, the light had turned green. I start driving. I look back and he's just gone. And, you know, maybe he, I don't know, hopped into a car or ran away or maybe, I don't know, maybe there was a bus or something, but that, that one was a little more dubious, but it was also yeah. like when, when I yeah. saw that and then I didn't anymore, I was driving straight and I kept thinking the whole time I should turn around and <laughs> go double check basically. <laughs> and the whole time I'm like, I'm not turning around. Like I, I want to turn around, but my arms are not turning around. You know, there's plenty, <laughs> plenty of spots to U-turn and I just kept going and I went home. Yeah, that's that was the right answer, I think. Survival instinct kicked in and said, "Nope." Yeah. yeah who knows? It was it was very that, strange, but That was Nope Man from Nopetopia. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but so seeing that or, or um you know, I I had had that sort of experience whether that was something paranormal or not. It was something I perceived and I was sharing that story with somebody and uh it may have even been I may have even remembered this while on Strange Familiars because I was talking about that 
And then I remembered, oh, then there was this other thing that happened in college. That's the first story I told there. Um, so you've seen two people disappear, whether they possibly. were people. Yeah. And I think the first guy with the whistling might have been a ghost. And this this piece of space junk disappeared on you. Yep. Yeah. Classic space junk vanishing <laughs> into thin air. Yeah, that's yep. that's that's yeah. They've got your number and now they're messing with you. I I guess. <laughs> yeah, but there these things are so few and far between that it's yeah. like you know, it's almost like nothing's happening at all. But then I, I sit down and I start telling these experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I sound uh, crazy or I sound, I don't know, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is that, that this is. You yeah. sound like a guy who should be delivering pizza for cash. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Not delivering screws for cash, which is, well, not for cash, but currently my job is delivering screws and I'm going into IT. So that'll be fun. But excellent. Um, other than those experiences, I think that's the vast majority of quote-unquote paranormal or weird experiences everything else has been stuff related to magic um which i don't know i don't know where you want me to start with that wherever you want we're 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 loose on it okay um so 2017 uh in august there was a eclipse Mm -hmm. it was uh obviously a fairly well-known solar eclipse. A lot of people looked at it. Uh, I was working at a pharmaceutical company at the time doing some data entry. Um, And I, I remember going outside for the eclipse and feeling like this sort of like, you know, everyone's sort of stopping their work and looking up as the world sort of like got a little darker. It wasn't, Mm -hmm. you know, totality wasn't anywhere near us, but, um, but it was an interesting experience. And right around this time, I had been listening to a variety of podcasts. So at, at that time, I was listening to like Strange Familiars, Where Did the Road Go? And uh, Charm the Water. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it, there, that, that podcast ended. And then um, fairly recently, uh, Aaron started up uh, like a new incarnation of it. But it's sort of a, a separate show now. Same name. But what Charm the Water was is sort of uh, Aaron David's magical like journal, right? So it was his audio journal of all the experiences of the stuff that he was, you know, living through as he uh, learned about and practiced um, Trithemian magic or ritual magic in the tradition of Rufus Opus's Seven Spheres, which is a a book of Trithemian magic. he had put out a call around this time, probably after the eclipse, but he put out a call saying, if anyone's interested, he's like, I want to do this, this moon uh, invocation or ritual. And I would like to try an experiment where we do it as a group. And I reached out and, uh, you know, said, you know, pick me, pick me. Right. And he's like, all right, cool. So, got to start talking with him, uh, explained sort of where I was coming from with my, you know, where I was in life and sort of what I was hoping to experience and and where I was, was working at a job I absolutely hated. Um, Feeling very stuck, feeling like I was being pigeonholed into a career I didn't want to go into and desperately, desperately wanting to work at a bookstore. And I 
had no kind of hope for working at a bookstore because the only one I really knew of was um, Eye of Horus. And Eye of Horus, as far as I knew, really didn't hire people because I tried to apply in the past and, and was told basically they never hire people because everyone that works there loves their job and nobody quits. Yeah. And, and so I was like, well, yeah, that makes sense. You know? Um, so anyway, I uh, wasn't quite sure if I wanted to do this, this ritual or not, because it felt like, you know, one of the things that Aaron talked about on his podcast was anytime he did one of these things, it would sort of shake things up in life. And that's something right. Mm -hmm. Right. Like a motif I'd seen elsewhere. Um, I think nowadays, I think it's a good thing. Um, at the time I was a little scared because that job paid really well. And it was, you know, to, to date, still the best paying job I've had. Um, and so I didn't really know what to do, but I said, I put my hat in the ring and I said, let me, you know, let me get the materials. So I ordered the book and I got the stuff, you know, I, I went to Iavoras and sort of, um, bought the stuff that I needed, I think, or maybe actually at that point, I don't think I had done that. I think at that point I had just ordered the book and I said, like, I'll check it out. And I went back to work and I was doing the thing, you know, working. And one day it was uh, September 20th. I, I went to work um, and I uh, worked the whole day. And then at the end of the day, I went downstairs to like clock out basically and leave. And my contract manager was there and she pulled me aside into like this separate little office room and informed me that they decided to terminate my contract uh, effective immediately. Oh no. Uh, because my accuracy uh, didn't live up to their threshold of 98%, which I understand, you know, I understand you have a rule mm -hmm. and the rule is not followed properly. Then that's, you know, grounds for right. terminating a contract. Um, it was very frustrating because it was sort of on the heels of multiple conversations where I had reached out to my manager and her manager to try to, you know, get help addressing this um, struggle that I was mm -hmm. dealing with. And, you know, I was never really, um, I never, I never really got any kind of help. Nobody ever, um, right. it was, it was a lot of like, like nodding and smiling and telling me, we'll just do better. And, you know, so anyway, they, they fired me. Um, and, and I remember going out to the car and like, you know, I was, I was crying cause I just lost this job and, mm -hmm. you know, it was, it was, I didn't really like the job, but it was a good job. It was a very easy and well-paying job. And I thought like I had this sort of like moment where I kind of snapped and I, and I said, okay, you know what? I have nothing left to lose. I'm going to do that ritual. I drove home and got to my house and the book had showed up uh, while I was at work uh, in the mail. So I busted out the book. The gist of it was, it was very poignant. It was basically saying that like, you know, magic is not um, wishing for something and having it come true. You know, magic is not, um, you know, doing, doing all of this stuff for like whatever it was listing these things. And then, and then it said, it's, you know, it's losing a job and realizing that there is kind of more to life than, than that. It's, it's losing a relationship or it's your house burning down and, um, you know, kind of picking up the pieces from that and transforming. Right. And that's sort of, 
that was that was sort of the gist of what I had read that that first day that really kind of blew my mind, especially on the heels of losing my job. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I had decided, okay, you know, this is this is this is good. This is a good thing. I'm going to do this, and we'll see what happens. And so I I proceeded to. Uh, get the equipment. I think probably that night I went out to Eye of Horus and bought the stuff I needed, you know, a crystal and a wand and whatever, all the stuff. And uh, got ready. And a few days later, on the 25th, uh, woke up at three in the morning to do the thing. And it was it was good. It was a, a very different experience. It felt very weird. It was it was very half-assed. Um, you know, reading out of the book and just like completely stumbling over stuff and the uh, the like quote unquote altar stand that I was using to like put the stuff on was basically a cardboard box that used to hold plates. Um, you know, <laughs> nothing fancy, no fanfare. You know, I, I had um, made a sort of disc um, um, table of practice, I think is what it's called. Uh, mm-hmm. Very, very quickly, you know, I, I did some wood burning on it, but it was still just kind of a half-assed affair, I guess. Um, and then everything started to happen from from kind of that point on. So that was sort of the beginning of a giant synchronicity storm that lasted. Uh, I mean, you know, it probably never ended. That's I think that's, that's cool. pretty much the moment when I completely went crazy. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it was it was little stuff, um, but it was also like really big stuff you know we were, we were talking earlier about how sometimes it's really difficult to just like try to talk about this stuff without explaining every yeah. little thing and making you know looping back and everything mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that really stuck out to me was at the time i was in a class i was i was in college for philosophy and um i was writing so the essay was basically to pick a like a passage uh, from one of the things we'd read and write sort of an essay about what you feel about that thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I had just been listening to Where Did the Road Go? And Soraya talked about, uh, kind of uh, offhandedly said that the word apocalypse means uh, the opening of the eye. Yep. And I remember mm-hmm. thinking, like, that's really interesting, you know, and thinking about like what is a personal apocalypse and what does that look like? What is revelation and how does that change your life? So I wrote an essay about this, and I I went to class and you know um, shared it. I think I probably had to read it out loud to the class or whatever, um, or turned it in or something, and uh, went home and sat down and checked my email. And I had an email from I of Horus saying the eye is hiring. There, nice. there, there was suddenly an opening at the eye. And so, you know, I, I applied <laughs> and uh, I got there sort of like, you know, first interview round. Um, I did that whole thing. Uh, got the second interview, did that whole thing. And then I was waiting around trying to, you know, I was hoping I'd get the job, right? I was, you know feeling very strongly like I should work there. And I went into the store to sort of ask them like, Hey, have you know, where are you guys at with the hiring process? You know, check in and see whatever. Cause they said that they would let me know either way, right. Whether they were going to hire me or, or not. Um, and I walked in and I, I, uh, you know, explained like who I was and that I had applied and the, the manager who was not somebody I had talked to yet 
basically said, oh, I'm so sorry. Like they decided to go with somebody else. Oh, damn. Okay. Um, so I went home feeling very dejected and <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, that was the time I, I went home and yeah. um, my buddy was waiting for me at my house uh, with a pizza and he, uh, mm -hmm. you know, he threw it in the oven. We, we made a pizza and I was explaining the situation to him and he said, well, you know, I got you. All you have to do, you need a new job, you know, because I needed a new job like ASAP. He said, all you have to do, it's been almost a month at this point, is apply for five jobs every day. And by Friday, you'll have a job. This was, I think, Tuesday. And so I said, okay, you know, I, I sat down. I had like an Indeed account and um, just started applying for like graphic design jobs and all kinds of stuff, marketing and sales and, and whatever. And didn't hear back from anybody all week. You know, until on Friday, I got a phone call from iForest saying that the person they had selected didn't work out and they would like to hire me as their second choice. And nice. I was totally floored and completely confused. <laughs> so took the job immediately and I worked there for two years. And during that whole time, everything was just so strange. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it's sort of hard to explain, but when you're when you're at a place where you're surrounded by this stuff, when you're surrounded by magic and people who, who kind of think in that way and are having strange experiences, it becomes a lot more real. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and you start to notice the things that are um, poignant or uh, synchronistic or really stick mm -hmm. out in different ways. And, you know, um, there were, rituals that were done uh you know i i, I participated in and, and hosted a few group rituals um and ended up you know sort of finding my niche uh with um the goddess hakate and working with her and other planetary magic and sort of continued the journey through the seven spheres and all of this stuff all the while meeting new people learning new experiences and and finding out very quickly that you know, there are a lot of different perspectives out there. So the, the number one thing, well, actually just two, two very important things that I learned working at that store is there are a lot of different practices and traditions and beliefs and all of them to, to what I have seen have been effective and helpful for people in different ways. Mm -hmm. And there is a very um, serious slope towards delusion and insanity that you know i i don't think i don't think that it's a, i don't think that it's a definite line i think that there's a very kind of blurry area there where you know people sort of um get into their own worlds and sort of lose track of or lose touch with um the rest of the world yeah. and that's that's something i've always kind of been afraid of but mm -hmm. that happens and all sorts of um outsider things outsider activities um zach and i had a pagan bookstore here in athens way back in the 90s and there was lots and lots of that was sort of a pagan renaissance here in in athens and and there were public rituals and you know everybody was doing rituals everybody was out and about i was on interfaith uh, panel discussions on campus. They always sat the witch next to the Catholic and he'd look at me all like, 
Mm. And I'd be looking at him going, mm. and he'd have, you know, 15 piles of books next to him. And I'd just be sitting there. We ended up being friends, but it, it was really, really funny. The first time that we sat next to each other, it was like, you know, a dog and a cat just kind of going, uh, I don't know. And the other one going, mm, 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 no, no. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, I was like, why didn't you put me next to the nice, you know, female rabbi over there? Why did, why over here? <laughs> you know, so that was fun. But uh, you do see there is just, there is a slope. You're right. But it happens in the paranormal community as well. It, it happens with research. John Keel writes about it in his books um, that if you chase the phenomena, the other um, power, if you chase power, if you chase spiritual power, it, it chases you back. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you take one step too many and, and you know, that's not a good thing. And that that goes back to my whole, well, I've never been harmed by anything like this, but I have seen other people do things that were at least mental health wise, not good. Yep. Um, I have not been physically harmed, uh, but I have seen people do things that that did mental harm to themselves. And so you have to be careful um, and you have to to go into everything just being as careful as possible, which is why if somebody says, well, you know, I want to, I want to just, I'm going to call down Beelzebub. I'm kind of like, <laughs> do you even know what you're saying there? Do yep. you even, are you sure? You know, I'm going to use a Ouija board. Well, are you going to do it sensibly? Or are you just going to pull it out and say, Oh, it's just a game. And, not even draw a, a magical circle to protect yourself, you know, are you not even going to, you know, what are you planning on doing? And there are just some people that's like, you know, it's not a parlor trick. It's not a game. Don't play with it. Mm -hmm. Don't. This is the beginning of so many horror films. Don't do that. Yeah. For a reason. Have you never gone to a horror film? It's kind of like, you know, the, <laughs> The scientists who are building AI and uh, uh, robots that can, you know, climb through rubble with guns on them. You know, it's like, have you not seen the Terminator, sir? Do you not know <laughs> that this has already been discussed? And, you know, most of the world thinks that's probably a stupid idea. Have you not? Yeah. Have you not been in on the conference call that all the rest of us have been on? You know, <laughs> um, this is bad. So I'm, you know, sometimes your instinct of let's not is, is a good one. And the thing about working in a, in a magical bookstore is sometimes you get people who, who really, they just will do these things. And then the people who work in the magical bookstore end up being part of the hazmat team that cleans up, Clean up crew. the mess. And, uh, Kendra heard many, many um, gvetchings on my part about the messes that the public witches had to clean up after you know, those dabblers yep. <laughs> just doing those things. 
can't believe them, you know. Well, so I think for a long time, I was sort of, um, you know, I don't feel this way anymore, but for a very long time, I, because I wanted so desperately to have some kind of experience that was like tangible and, you know, that I could prove to myself that, you know, whatever, all this stuff is quote unquote real or, or whatever, right? That I, I wanted to just try different things. I didn't try very many things, um, especially not things that I thought were like particularly dangerous. But there was this one time that. There's always uh, one, if, if one of those one time. <laughs> there was this one time I did this thing. Yeah. I was, there's this punk house that I was kind of hanging out with um, for a while. It's called the Paper House. And it was sort of like a half like punk venue, half house with like 13 people living in it um, in Minneapolis. is is a really rundown, dirty house. And it was awesome. All the walls were covered in art. Everything was like, you know, cigarette butts everywhere. And, and just like everyone was stoned the whole time. It was, it was a great experience. Totally disgusting. Um, and uh, a guy that was living there really wanted to summon a demon. That was his, uh, his mm -hmm. goal. He said, I want to summon a demon. And I said, That's great. well, young sir, I'm familiar mm -hmm. with this thing called the Goetia. Let me show you. I have a copy, you know, because... <laughs> I'm a dumb kid. And, uh, and I, I, you know, I pulled it out and I brought over some, some stuff, no materials. No, I had like a knife and that was, I think the extent of what I had, had nothing, nothing, you know, no, no talismans, no like lamans, no protective material, mm -hmm. no, no like get up or garb. Um, absolutely nothing. And, <laughs> and we were like looking through the book and, uh, and he's like, ah, uh, this one here looks pretty cool. And he pointed to uh, Paimon and I, I was like, well, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe, the, you know, maybe it's a good one. And we kept looking and he said, oh, you know what? This one actually seems like a better fit. It was Grimori and, uh, and Grimori was sort of like billed as being somewhat similar to Paimon, but a little like mm -hmm. nicer. Um, and uh, and so we put together some stuff and I was sort of operating on, on the principle that a lot of what it had to do with was um, correspondences mm -hmm. and the senses and uh, and like intention. Right. Mm -hmm. And we grabbed just just random stuff. You know, I mean, it was it was like he had like some dried leaves from like some thistles or something like that. And uh, we grabbed for for like a libation. <laughs> I mean, you know, again, this is like a dirty punk house that has like nothing useful. And so they had water and cinnamon. And uh, so they mixed the cinnamon in the water. And we used that as like a libation. And uh, and we like did a thing. You know, I basically I read out the the like script for, for each mm -hmm. of the things. Um, you know, I, I didn't know anything about like what signs were or how, you know, any of that stuff worked. Or I think I probably did try to do like a circle. I may have like known about the LBRP at that time, but this may have been before that. I think it was before that. Um, and we just did the thing, you know, we just like summoned the demon. Right. And, and we're all sitting there, uh, you know, in the circle with like candlelight and it's dark and we're all quiet. And, uh, and, and, and it's, it's me and this guy who wanted to do this. And my other friend who's like a very staunch, like atheist and doesn't believe in any of that stuff. And we're all we're all sitting there like holding our knives as like protective tools <laughs> or whatever. 
and we all start talking like we all start sort of like asking questions in our own voice and then responding to the questions to each other in like this other weird monotone voice and it, it very much felt like a sort of channel experience and we were just kind of like like casually flitting between the three of us mm -hmm. answering questions all around you know this environment so we were each of us talking and sort of having a conversation with this spirit that, that we all kind of felt like was in the room with us mm -hmm. and we would get these responses in our heads or whatever and we were we were sharing them um in this voice in this like quiet monotone voice and it was it was a lot of um like you know stuff that on the surface like would would kind of look or sound sort of poetic or be um like like you know if you if you don't look too hard maybe you like squint sideways at it it sort of looks <laughs> profound and uh and we were just you know saying all this stuff and like answering these questions that you know he asked like what is the nature of flowers and whatever like just you know random stuff and by the end of it i remember like we you know we we sort of closed everything and then like put it away i don't remember i don't think we did any kind of like banishing or anything afterwards but of course um, not right <laughs> and he said you know all of the things that came up i feel like are things that i just kind of already knew and i said mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, you know, they probably came from us, mm -hmm. you know, they, and, and he's like, yeah, you know, but we all sort of went away from it feeling like it was a very special experience. Mm -hmm. um, and then about a week later, the entire house was infested with flies the size of quarters. Oh my God. The, the whole entire house, every single room, <laughs> thousands and thousands and thousands of flies. <laughs> for like several days and then they just went away oh my gosh <laughs> sorry and that's yeah, hilarious no, and, and at the time we were all like wow somebody must have like left some meat out in a trash can or something but like mm -hmm. no idea why this is happening i didn't make a correlation neither of my other friends made any kind of correlation with with this years later i was bringing it mm -hmm. up to to my my buddy um who's an atheist and i, and I, I said didn't that happen like right after we did that whole demon thing? And he's like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, yeah. That was like the mm -hmm. week after that. Uh, I don't yeah. know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all did that. <laughs> <laughs> Although yeah, instead of, learn. instead of invoking, it sounds like you evoked evocation. What, of course, is when evocation is when the spirit comes through you or okay. into you or from you invoking brings it from the outer world into our world okay so but it sounds like because you weren't real specific about how you worked it and you didn't do a circle to put the spirit into it went into you all and then it went into your trash can and called <laughs> out the the flies and Although of course and, flies are usually Beelzebub, but right. you know he he does rent them out to others at at times. So, oh, yeah. Man. Are either y'all familiar with Night Vale, the podcast? Mm -mm. Okay. I've heard it's, of it, but I'm not familiar with it. It's a, it's it's a sort of an abstract kind of podcast like news show, mm -hmm. and uh, one of the characters in it is this uh, recurring character of the the man in the in the deerskin. Uh, or no, the man, the man with the tan jacket in with the deerskin suitcase full of flies, mm. because it turns out he's a door-to-door -door fly salesman. 
<laughs> that's, I like that's that. <laughs> Clearly, um, he visited that house. <laughs> and that house, you know, was so kind of rife with just like dank and dark energy of all kinds mm -hmm. for a very long time that, that, you know, the whole time that that house was a thing where people were hanging out there and, you know, they're like at any given moment, laws were being broken, of course, you know, and yeah, it was just disgusting. Nobody, uh, took any kind of responsibility for themselves. Nobody felt like they had to clean up after anybody else. Uh, everybody sort of hated each other. And at the same time, they were all putting out a lot of art, a, a lot of art, like, you know, music and paintings and sculptures and comic books and, and just everything and doing uh, shows like, like punk and rock shows in the basement every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. And just like, lots of drugs, you know, and, and it was just like, a, it's one of those like kind of liminal or like marginal. Mm -hmm. um, oh yeah. Yeah. It, it was a perfect storm of like sort of darkness and angst, I think is, mm -hmm. is kind of what it was. Perfect but feeding ground for spirit. Whatever that energy. was. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, it, you know, whether diamonds. it was, yeah, exactly. And, and and whether that means it was, you know, the Goetic Spirit Grimori or something else, you know, just kind of like that slipped in or yeah. or ourselves or who knows. But it was it was something very it, you know, it, it was something very real. And I think that's that's why I have stopped trying to prove to myself that this stuff is quote unquote real because uh, of course it is. It doesn't right. matter to me you know, whether you can like prove on paper in a repeatable way, you know, in some kind of like scientific way that, you know, X magical thing has Y magical effect. I, I used to really care very deeply about that. And I just don't see the use of it anymore. One of the things that I told, tell my children is that it doesn't matter if you believe in God or Jesus, other people do. And there's power in that for them and you have to respect the fact that they believe that just like they should respect the fact that you believe other things yeah absolutely you know and, and belief and it, is is pretty much the core of magic, of magic. yeah it seems belief to be a huge and will and yeah. love yeah love yeah, is the law love under will my dog would love caveat. to eat something outside right now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you can hear him. He is howling away. A little bit. Oh, I apologize. That's <laughs> all right. But yeah, that yeah. that is the essence of magic is belief, will, mm -hmm. and love. Yeah. Yep. Um, and that's that's basically how I, I practice. So it's, it's a useful thing to know, um, or at least to feel an experience for yourself. Um, I think love is, that's a very good caveat that you put in there. Um, and it's something a lot of people sort of forget even people, you know, even like, well, I don't know about Thelemite specifically, but a lot of people I, I hear quoting the, like, do what thou will show me the whole, the law, forget that whole other part. Right. Oh yeah. That, um, mm. yeah, that's, that's part of why, uh, Wicked Uncle Al gets such a crap rap, you know, is because people forget. They remember, do what thou wilt be the whole of the law. 
love is the law, love under will. They forget that second half. Um, interestingly, the first person who, who said do what thou wilt was the French writer of the Northern Renaissance, Rabelais. And in fact, the whole Abbey of Thelema came from his writing um, Gargantua and Pantagruel. And the whole idea of an abbey of Thelema was that it was supposed to be men and women living together. Um, and the, the law was do what thou wilt. Um, Interesting. And that was, that was the carving over the, the uh, gateway into the abbey. And it was supposed to be kind of the opposite of a, of a monastery or convent. And so it, it's really interesting. You know, I, I remember sitting in uh, the Northern Renaissance class, which was a 400 level history class. And he starts talking about the Abbey of Thelema and love is the law or uh, do what thou wilt. And I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> I'm like, that's where Alistair Crowley got that. And my instructor was like, just sort of zeroed in. He went, I have not heard that name from a student in like 20 years. Really? He, he was like, whoa, whoa. and I'm like, there's a reason. <laughs> Interesting. You clearly haven't had a magical practitioner in your class for a while, but yeah, that that's that must be where he got it. And and as I read that work, I was like, oh yeah, that's where he got a lot of it. So mm -hmm. that's interesting. Yeah, you know, and it was cool. called the Abbey of Thelema in the mm -hmm. in the writing. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's so, really cool. Rabelais gave him a little little nudge in his creation of Thelema. So wow, uh, you said Gargantua, and what was the other one? Gargantua and Pantagruel. Pantagruel. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll send you a, a, you know, send it to you so it's spelled right, so you don't oh, have sure. to, you know, type it in a thousand different ways and get God well, knows you. what. Um, but yeah, uh, Wicked Uncle Al does get a a bum rap sometimes because people forget that other half and yeah. ignore uh, that. I uh, I did have a couple more things happen. One really that sticks out as particularly uh, impossible and interesting. Um, a lot of the other stuff, you know, that, that I've experienced with, with the magic has really been, you know, with the magic has, has really been like subjective, personal, like feelings and like little synchronicities here and there and stuff lining up and meeting people that, you know, pieces falling into place. But there was this one thing that really kind of shook my world. Um, and, uh, uh, gosh, I don't remember when this was exactly. It was sometime within the last year or two. I had decided to try out a ritual that's available online. Uh, it's it's by sort of the um, Covenant of Hakate, which I think is run by Story to Desti. And it, this ritual was writ written by Desti, and it was it was the Rite of Her Sacred Fires or the Rite of Her Sacred Flames, something like that. And I had never done it before. You know, I, I sort of have my own practices and, and devotional kind of stuff that I do for that. And this was during either a full moon or a new moon, one of the two. And so I decided, oh, okay, I'll, I'll do this 
um, this this write that's online. Uh, try it out, see what happens. Um, for no reason really other than just to honor, you know, the goddess. Um, it did the whole thing. You know, it's it's a pretty short thing. It's it's some words, you know, obviously, and some some actions, some signs. And I gave an offering, um, I think, of water. I'm pretty sure. Um, I usually just use water and, and stuff. And I, at the end of the ritual, it specifically says to put the candle out. Um, so, you know, you light a candle during, during a lot of rituals, use candles mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, and I decided to do that because I don't normally, uh, normally I would leave the candle burning, but I thought the ritual says to do this and I want to do this by the book. I want to do the thing that was written. I don't want to, you know, disrespect this by doing something else. Um, and so I, I did, I, I used, I have a little brass snuffer and I snuffed the candle out and I, uh, you know, like moved on. It was, it was nighttime. It was probably eight o'clock. Um, went, took a shower, came back, started reading, you know, read for a while. Um, when I read, I, so I, I read in my bed up here and, uh, which is directly above me. Um, for those of you that can't see the video and I have a little, uh, light, a little like nightlight thing that I, um, use uh, to read by. And so I had this light on. I was reading whatever book it was. And after about two hours, I turned out the light and I put my book under my pillow and I went to bed. And I remember when I did this, I turned out the light. I remember it being dark. Um, you know, my room is usually dark um, unless I've got a candle burning. And I didn't. I did not have a candle burning. I put the light out. I went back to bed or I went to bed. I woke up at three in the morning, um, which, you know, isn't terribly uncommon. Sometimes I'll wake, I'll wake up in the middle of the night. Um, but I woke up at three, a little after three in the morning and I, I was confused because my room was bright and flickering orange. And I looked around and I saw this candle had relit itself in the middle <laughs> of the night. So I got up out of bed and so I have a loft bed. So I have to climb down this ladder um, in order to get out of my bed. Right. Uh, so I did. And then I walked through my room as a mess. I, I had to climb over my like laundry hamper uh, and then find uh, my phone, which was wherever it was. And I started recording the, um, the candle and I just explained what had happened. So I wanted to you know, make a record of it. And I was thinking about it and I thought, okay, there's basically three distinct possibilities of what could have happened uh, in, in terms of like a, a material explanation, either, um, you know, one, I somehow got up in the middle of the night, climbed down that ladder, climbed over my laundry hamper, found a lighter and relit it. Two, one of my roommates snuck into my room and relit it, which is very unlikely. And I talked to both of them and both of them said no. And also they wouldn't have known that I had a candle in the first place or to do something like yeah. that. Uh, and three, there was some kind of an ember left in the wick and it relit itself after a time. Um, that one strikes me as maybe the most possible or most plausible, but I really don't think that's what happened because yeah. it had been out for hours. You know, yeah. it's not like, it's not like it went, like it caught back after like a minute. It was, it was at least two hours by yeah. the time that I went to mm -hmm. bed. Uh, and I was explaining this to a friend of mine who's like, you know, he's, he's not a very, spiritual person he's, he's just kind of you know, he's 
he's not even terribly religious or anything. Um, and, uh, and I explained these, you know, exactly what happened. Um, I didn't mention that I had done this ritual the night before. I just said, had this candle. And, uh, and I explained these three choices and he goes, yeah, well, that's crazy. I, you know, it's, I don't know what it could have been. And I, and I said, well, you know, the reason that I had this candle was because I had done this ritual that night before. And he looks at me and he's like, Oh, well, obviously it was because of that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I'm probably. <laughs> well, you know, Hecate is the triple goddess, the triple faced goddess tripartite. Hecate tripartite is one of her Latin names. So at three in the morning, that is the witching hour. She is the goddess of witches. So there you go. There you go. And uh, Morgana actually had that happen. Um, she had, I, I, I won't tell the whole story. I'll leave that for her to tell at some point. But she had put out a candle because she didn't want to leave it. She was going to go cook dinner. And she had been praying um, for healing for someone and had done this whole ritual and lit the candle. And she had to go downstairs to cook and she didn't want to leave it up in her bedroom because she has cat and, you know, she didn't yeah. cat knock it over. Yep. So, and it was one of the saint candles. So it's, sure. it's in the jar. And uh, so she turned it out, you know, she snuffed it and looked at it and watched until the orange glow went away and there was nothing. And she came upstairs a couple hours later and there it was burning merrily happily and she asked her you know she was like she asked her boyfriend she's like did you and he's like why would i light something on your altar he's like i don't do that and she's like okay okay and so she just let it burn itself all the way out and you know just carried it with her through the house so it wasn't by itself (laughs) so it was like you were a responsible witch and that's, um, that's what I did with this one, too, is I let it go all the way. But it got about halfway down, and then it stopped burning. Hmm. And I, I looked, and it had no more wick. There was a hole where there should have been a wick, and there was no wick for about three inches of the bottom of the candle. Hmm. Wow. You know, it's it one of those, like, pillar candles, not, not right. in a glass jar, but just, like, a standalone pillar. Yeah, I mean, you know, and it's so funny when something like that happens, the kind of first um, response, especially if somebody's looking for like a material explanation or something that that's mundane or makes sense is, you know, well, maybe it was this outlandish thing, you know, (laughs) going on and multiplying unnecessarily. Um, And it's just like, it just, I don't know, it just doesn't make any sense to me that like somebody would come in to relight a candle or that, you know, that Morgana's boyfriend would, would relight a candle, you know, like you said, like, why would I light something on your altar? You know what I mean? Like, I don't touch that stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah, I wouldn't uh, mess with that. Exactly. You know, it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And who knows, who knows what causes these things? Maybe it is some kind of strange physical effect. That's just, uh, difficult to pinpoint or and apparently impossible to reproduce you know on uh, on demand yeah but, uh, I mean you could have done it psychokinetically in yeah. your sleep 
I think that's more likely than you in your sleep, sleepwalking and not falling over. And yeah, that's you an know, awful lot of work. Yeah. Lighting I, I, it. I would not have been able to sleepwalk off of my bed. Yeah. The, the couple times I have almost you have a done loft that, bed. That's yeah. Right. Um, in the past, sometimes I'll, I'll wake up trying to climb off of my bed from the other side where there's no <laughs> ladder and I've got like one leg over my bed and I'm, I'm like, I wake up doing this and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> I'm going to hurt myself. <laughs> yeah. 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 As a, as a sleepwalker myself, um, I don't do it anymore, but when I was a kid, I did it. There were all sorts of things that I couldn't, you know. I could navigate the stairs straight downstairs, but then once I was in the living room, I'd run into furniture and fall down. Mm -hmm. What causes that sleepwalking? Oh, it has to do with not enough dopamine in your brain. Dopamine is one of the things that uh, it's a neurotransmitter that's linked to feelings of um, satiety when you eat, uh, pleasure, happiness, um, uh, joy, but it also can in, in sufficient amounts, it essentially renders you immobile when you sleep. Okay. And so that's what happens when you dream in order to keep you from acting out what's in your dreams, you have your brains flooded with dopamine. So you lay still. And that's why sleep paralysis happens, right? Yes. That's an, that's, Enough dopamine to keep you still, but there's a lack of the neurotransmitter melatonin to keep you asleep. Okay. So you start to wake up and you essentially your subconscious and your conscious minds are both awake at the same time. So you still experience the dream that your subconscious mind is working on and doing. So you'll have dream images float around and your conscious mind is going, I can't move because mm -hmm. it's not supposed to be moving because dopamine is flooding it. And, uh, or, or it's demons. I don't know. It could be demons. It, it could, <laughs> it could be the, the night hag riding you. Uh, it, it is really interesting that there are such a, like really such a few uh, archetypes that people experience when they're, in those situations like like a hag or like shadow people or like aliens or whatever um although, although i gotta say to me the washcloth archetype is is very uh, poignant <laughs> I, I, I like the slinky washcloth yeah. going down I, the steps that's kind of like the the miniature fresno walkers mm -hmm. you, you just yep. had a baby it one is. it, it yep. was a baby walker he that's was, exactly what it looked like except it was tiny. a washcloth he was just tiny <laughs> Just going, little guy. It's amazing. Yeah, I like that. Well, I mean, we've been talking for almost two hours. Is there anything else you you want to talk about? You should tell people where to find your your podcast, The Green Lion. Yeah, um, yeah. So you can find it anywhere fine podcasts are downloaded. Um, so, if but what about one, where crappy podcasts are downloaded? I don't Is have there a special any of those places. Good, excellent, yeah. well done. Good on you. Um, yeah, so it's Green Lion Podcast. Um, it is, yeah, it's on Apple Music or Apple. I, what do they call it these days? Apple Podcasts. That's what it's called. It, it is Apple Podcasts now. Uh, not iTunes. Spotify. 
It's on yep, Spotify. Spotify. It's okay. it's on Stitcher. It's on um, just all the places you can find podcasts. Okay. Um, it's through Sounder FM, Sounder.fm. So you can find it there too. And uh, yeah, I do um, a variety of different things. Although so far, I'm, it's pretty new. I've only got like 13 or 14 episodes up right now. Um, so far, it's been a lot of interviews, uh, which I love. I love, love talking to people. Um, my goal for it is also to include some other types of shows, uh, roundtables, which I have now done um, one more of, which is going to be coming up very soon. Uh, monologues where I sort of take a topic and I write out a whole thing and, and just sort of like ramble because mm -hmm. I like to talk. Um, yeah. All right. Green Line Podcast. All right. Excellent. Well, thank you for coming in and sharing with us. And thank you for joining our project because uh, we're not web designers. And uh, I've already seen your ideas for the logo looking good. I'm going to tease that to the uh, public involved. It's going to look really cool. The colors we got going on are really nice too. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Yeah. And yeah, thank you. Thank you both for, uh, you know, hanging out with me here and talking and, you know, I'd absolutely love to have you both on uh green line at some point. Whatever, oh, excellent. Yeah, thank whatever. you. Yeah. We can definitely do that. And if, if Morgana is available, we'll drag her along too. Yeah, totally. Cause then she can explain the, the candle thing with the whole thing and the stuff yeah. and whatnot. All right. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Well, that's all for this week's episode of the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you, and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you.